Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Everybody's aiming to get the same Instagram shot, you know, of themselves being alone in this place. And, and that's not going to happen because there are too many people there. So in the end, you end up photoshopping your own Instagram photo to take away all the other people to get to one of those pristine shots that you're aiming for, but you can't have. So it's, it's a fake reality. And I don't understand why everybody wants the same shot instead of finding a much better uh, secret place and, and taking a photo or many photos or videos or whatever of yourself there. And then I think you can really brag, hey, I found somewhere special. That was a clip from my interview with Gunnar Garforsh. You might recognize that name or that voice because he's been on the podcast before he lives here in Oslo, Norway. He's been to every country in the world twice. <laughs> we talked about that the last time he was on this show, but he's got a new book out. And what he did was travel around his home country and intentionally get off the beaten track. So this whole episode is about getting beyond the beaten track. That's uh, what all independent travelers want, right? You want to get to the stuff that is not as visited, maybe not as touristy, and gives you an authentic experience. So Gunnar shares some awesome stories from his travels through Norway writing this book. And I've got three big takeaways I want to share in this episode, as well as a few stories of my own that tie in with this whole getting off the beaten track idea. It's all happening right now in this show. So buckle up, strap in, get cozy, grab your favorite drink, a little snack. And let's get into it. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Getting off the beaten track? Well, I love that topic. How do you not love that topic, right? And... This was such a pleasure because, well, we all know there's been a pandemic, and this is the first interview I've done in person in a very long time. I got to meet up with Gunnar, who lives in Oslo as well, and he was actually just about to head out of town, but made some time, hopped on his bike, came over, met me at a pizza joint, and we had a nice chat. We sat down 
got to talk travel and he got me fired up. He actually gave me a copy of his book, which is only available in Norwegian right now, but we'll talk about that and how the process was for him writing that. And I asked him some questions around getting off the beaten track as a journalist, as somebody who needs to prepare and write. And if you're listening to this, I feel like travelers fall on this spectrum somewhere, right? And, and it could change for every trip. That spectrum is I do no research whatsoever and I just show up and see what happens. And then the other side of that spectrum is, of course, I research like a maniac till my eyeballs are falling out of my head and I know what I'm doing down to the minute, to the hour. And a lot of us maybe fall somewhere in between or depending on the trip, we might go to one extreme or the other. And when you're writing about travel, you have to do some prep. But we talked about the balance between trying to find places that are off the beaten track through research versus doing it on the ground. And there are a lot of other discussions and takeaways in this conversation that will help you find your way a little bit further from the main stuff so you can have deeper, richer, and more fulfilling travel experiences. Now, let's slip and slide into this interview with Gunnar. He's a great storyteller. You're going to hear about his time being surrounded by wild wolves, a giant wine cellar, and more. Enjoy the conversation and stick around for the other side. I'll share my three takeaways, a few stories of my own, and we'll do a quote at the end. Stick around for that. Now, enjoy listening in on my chat with Gunnar Garforce, and I'll see you on the other side, my friend. We're back. We are indeed. Thank you for having me. <laughs> because we recorded the first episode talking about your journey to every country in the world twice. And we were sitting in either this exact same booth. We were at, indeed at, in the same pub. Yeah. <laughs> I, it might have been one booth over. I can't remember. Same booth, same place, totally different world. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, that was way before um, the pandemic hit us, or just before, actually, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the world has changed, and so has my travel patterns. So now I'm no longer traveling all around the world. Yeah. I'm traveling all over Norway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what well, we're going to talk about today, so I should say, Gunnar Garforce, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. My friend. Thank you. And we have your website on the show notes as well, garfors.com. And you want to share your Instagram really quick just so people can find you. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's Garfors, at Garfors, G-I-R-F-O-R-S. Yes, indeed. So quite easy. Yeah. Uh, just like Garfield and US Air Force, uh, pronunciation <laughs> wise, at least. There you go. <laughs> you know, we're, we're both vaccinated now. We have like at least gotten the first dose. Oh, yes. And it's, you know, this isn't a political podcast, so we don't have to go too far in this. We're going to talk a lot of travel today, but... Isn't it kind of funny how when there's economic, maybe funny is the wrong word, economic and monetary implications, humans can kind of come together and all of a sudden there's this virus and hey, we got these vaccines. We came up with a vaccine for a virus in a year and a half or whatever, a year, which is incredible. It is. 
can't we do that for world hunger and some of these yeah, other exactly. things? Well, you know, unfortunately, like, uh, <laughs> it seems. I think as long as it uh, hits us in the Western world, then we, uh, then we, you know, we dig, um, we dig into it. We find solutions. We have to, or we think we have to. Whereas uh, world hunger, uh, unfortunately, uh, hits uh, some of the world's uh, poorest countries yeah. uh, most, and we are not really directly affected by it, and therefore we. Uh, we try to avoid to, to, to look at it or pay attention to it. Yeah. And hence, we don't look for solutions. Whereas with the pandemic, well, then we are directly hit ourselves and we have to find solutions. Mm. I guess, unfortunately, in many ways, that's um, that's how this world works. Yeah. With, um, well, capitalism or regardless of, of um, uh, type of government, uh, that seems to, to, to be the way. Yeah. It's all about greed, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, what have you been doing uh, since the pandemic hit? I mean, not that you can recap, you know, a couple years of your life, but I mean, how was that for you? Because you, your life is pretty nonstop travel. So that was a big lifestyle change for <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, it was. And I had uh, lined up a book project about um, the equator. So yeah. traveling around the world, visiting the 13 countries that the equator goes through. Very and cool idea. Yeah, well, thank you. You're and, good at uh, coming up with these ideas. <laughs> strange plans. <laughs> and, uh, well, I was I was planning that. I'd started writing it. Uh, yeah. done some interviews um, uh, via Skype and so forth and um, made plans for you know, other interviews around the world. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and I um, realized, well, I was hoping that it would go away, you know, within a few months. And, well, it didn't. So then I had to sit down, talk to my publisher and, um, and find another plan. And what we saw in Norway last summer, yeah. the summer of 2020, was that everybody went to the same sites. They all wanted to see the Prekestol and the Pulpit Rock, to Geirangel, the fam- famous fjord, mm-hmm. um, Lofoten, a famous a group of islands up north, and so yeah. on and so on. Um, they all went there, and we uh, we live in one of the most beautiful yeah. uh, scen- scenic countries in the world. And still, Norwegians, they line up, they stand in queues uh, for hours and hours to see scenery yeah yeah right <laughs> and i said come on so there's there, you there's know, enough there. room around here you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we have thirteen thousand two hundred uh, mountains we have three hundred and twenty thousand islands um around norway we have uh, eighteen hundred fjords we have countless valleys and so on and so forth and and still we want to see the same mountains and the same islands and the same rock formations and come on yeah have some creativity show some imagination <laughs> and go elsewhere and i said okay well at least I'll, I'll then write a book about uh, well called Burtam uh, Alfarveg in Norwegian or Beyond the Beaten Track in uh, in English uh, about places around Norway which yeah. which are different but still spectacular often more spectacular than the most famous places mm. and trying to inspire people to go to go elsewhere and it's sold out in four days it's it's amazing mad. and it's now out in the third edition so so I must have hit something there yeah uh, lucky with the timing obviously um, and it's uh, well, it's selling like cupcakes so that's that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, nice pivot. Well done. Yeah, I mean, well, of course, it was a it was an opportunity. I think for a lot of people to say, and this is just all over the world. It's like, hey, I love travel. Maybe I should see a bit of my home country as well because exactly. that's it's right here. It is. You know, I can get around. Can't leave. It was almost like forced exploration of your home country for some yeah. people. But you know, because of that, I think maybe some travelers have developed a different relationship with their own home country. I mean, how? How how is that for you? I mean, you've traveled all over the world, and and you generally like to to go overseas <laughs> and abroad. What did you learn about your home country? 
Uh, well, I've always enjoyed traveling around my own country. I'm, I'm born in the northernmost uh, city in the world, Hammerfest. I grew up on the West Coast. My mom is from the Southwest Coast. My yeah. dad is from up north, and I've lived in Oslo 21 years now, mm. and I've traveled all around. Uh, but uh, but now, since I, I decided to do this book, I mean, I traveled so much, 43,000 kilometers, which is uh, uh, sort of, uh, what is it, uh, 30,000 miles or something, yeah. and uh, seen so many new places, met so many incredible people out there uh, locals in villages and and towns and, and cities all over the all over the country and um, wow we have so much to see and it's it even makes me ponder more over why we clog together and stand in queues to see <laughs> exactly the same things yeah and I think a lot of people you know we were forced Norwegians travel more than any other country in the world uh, money wise we spend mm. more money on on travel uh, most of it goes um, abroad you know yeah. on, on foreign trips um, and now we were forced to explore our own country and I think some people or quite a lot of people have realized that wow what's an amazing country we live in yeah. less than half of us had been north in, in the northern part of Norway yeah. you know only a few had been to the west coast and yeah. now we went there and these are the two most beautiful in my opinion uh, parts of, of Norway mm. and we said wow these fjords these mountains these glaciers these rivers wow yeah um, and I, I think more people will actually travel more in Norway also for weekend trips maybe instead of going to London or New York or Paris they will go to uh, to Kirkenes or Tromsø or Olesen yeah. or, or wherever, Bergen. Um, we still want to travel. We're still going to travel f abroad. Um, but uh, hopefully we've picked up uh, on this, uh, on these possibilities all, all over Norway and, yeah. and realized that, yeah, we, we, we should do more of this yeah. before we die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always found it strange that most Norwegians would leave in July when it's such a great month to be in Norway. I know. You know? I'm, I'm the same. I, it's like I, leave in January. Yeah, exactly. When it's dark and cold, and yeah. you know, of course you, you want to be here for the snow and so on. But yeah. in July, it's it's truly incredible here. Yeah, and and that's the only time when it's well. I mean, of course, you can have a nice month in June and August and even September, um, but that's the, the hottest month month of the year. You know, maybe you want to stick around here, and and you can even go swimming in the sea. It's it's sort of uh, it's not too cold then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, you guys might have a little bit of different blood when it comes to swimming in the some oh, of these cold. We've been forced into it, you know, <laughs> since our parents uh, pushed uh, pushed us into <laughs> the like, lakes and seas and fjords and everything. It's just like we, no, we just had to adapt to our parents bullying us into going yeah, swimming. They damaged us, you know, <laughs> bastards. You know. <laughs> yeah, thank you. By the way, you brought me a copy of the book, which is beautiful. Again, I know it's only in Norwegian right now, right? Currently, but yes. Hopefully, hopefully, it will be out in English and uh, German, and uh, maybe even Swedish and Danish, in, in not too long. But we will see. Yeah, I'm going to be asking you about some stories from your trip because there are 81 destinations in here. Is that right? Yeah. Or, or play, shouldn't say destinations because it's not just about the town. Sometimes it was a specific... Well, it's, I've sort of divided it into different, um, um, uh, what should I say, different categories. So yeah. one, seven different categories. One is about accommodation. One is about food and drink. There is one about fjords and mountains. Then you have islands, you have beaches, you have uh, villages, and you have experiences. Oh, yeah, cool. So that was sort of trying to help people uh, navigate their way uh, through the book. But when I speak to people, most of them, they read it from, from cover to cover. Yeah. So I, I was thinking I would help people 
to to find whatever they were looking for. But um, um, so, so which is lovely for me. They actually read read all of it. Dude, um, you're inspiring a nation to get off the beaten track. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, I'll inspire some people. So, and, and as you say, it's 81 places. So it's sort of uh, why travel around the world in 80 days when you can travel around Norway in 81. Yeah, you know? right. there you go. <laughs> I think the the whole idea of getting beyond the beaten track is that that's one of the main goals of travel right if you're if you're more of a into the if you want to go to the traveler and the tourists exactly. type thing you know are you a traveler or a tourist type of thing you, you want to get off the beaten track and I, I just have a couple questions and i want to get some advice around that in general and then i want to talk about some specific destinations and hear some stories because i think that would be fun but what does getting off the beaten track mean to you what does that mean to you it means uh, not uh, following uh, the lead of uh, some other random person, whether it's uh, what we call well influencers or famous people or our neighbor or whatever. It's it's like looking at a flock of sheep. They follow the one leader. Uh, and why do you want to do that? Why do you want to line up? It's about finding your own paths. It's about going for the detours sometimes. It's about uh, slow-paced travel. Uh, and it's about curiosity. It's about wanting to see what's around. Uh, uh, the next bend, and not necessarily on the main road, uh, but maybe oh, there is a there is, well, you know, oh, there is a sign showing some place I've never heard about. Oh, well, maybe that's worth exploring. Uh, it's uh, it doesn't have to be far from uh, main destination. It can even be um, in Oslo. Two of the places in the book are indeed in in Oslo, but they are in parts of Oslo where not too many people uh, walk past. They're not in the main streets or anything. Uh, so it, it can mean uh, different things, and it does mean different things to different people. I mean, beyond, beyond the beaten path, if you are from the West Coast, then Oslo is on uh, beyond the beaten path, for instance, right. or beaten right. track. Uh, and, and vice versa. It depends on where you're from. It depends on your friends, what you've heard about, what you have explored before. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to uh, showcase, well, 81 of these, these places. So it doesn't have to be really uh, far off the beaten track, but uh, some distance outside it. And I've, um, I've avoided going to really hard... Uh, going on really hard mountain hikes, for instance, there are so many great books about uh, mountain hikes, um, and this should this book should be for everybody. So there are some mountains in there, but they you can typically uh, do the the hikes in in maximum one hour. Some of them, well, one of them it, it's called uh, Vardensva or, or Sva. It's in Narvik up north, um, and it's just next to the main road E6. Uh, was yeah, Europe that's a road big highway. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, and from there it's it's um it's it's a, a mountain and it's like um an uphill uh, and it's totally it's, it's like working on uh, on blacktop or concrete or whatever um but it is a mountain and it's so in, in 400 meters i go in well it's quite a steep hill but you get this incredible view over this fjord and you can see the lofoten islands uh, in in the distance and it's just Wow, and and so few people know about this. So few, so few people actually go there, even though it's next to the the main road, and it's one of the easiest mountain hikes in in Norway, where you get the most back from it in terms of uh, an, an, an amazing view yeah. and just this wow feeling from mm. from the top, which is yeah only four hundred yeah. meters um, uh, walk from from the road. As yeah, well. amazing. This episode is brought to you by US Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday. 
in Norway. Not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why. We're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. I feel like getting off the beaten track is, you know, it's hard to put everything into words, but there's a couple different versions of that, right? One version might be I'm traveling, I'm in a city, uh, I'm going down the street and, you know, I end up at some cafe and then I meet somebody and the next thing you know, one thing leads to another and now I'm in some neighborhood I never would have gone because I met somebody and I'm way off the beaten track and it just sort of happens in real time as a traveler or you go the extra, like you said, around the corner to see. But then there's, there's researching, right? And I imagine for this book, you needed to kind of predetermine some of these places you were going, right? So how do you... How do you do that? What You know what I'm saying? What <laughs> yeah. kind of advice do you give to people that are like, all right, yeah, I'm going to so-and-so country yeah. and I want to get off the beaten track. You're a journalist. You do research is one of the things that you're an expert at. So I'm curious, how do you research getting off the beaten track and find these places before you even get to it? Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's a brilliant question. I, I started off with a list of around 100 places yeah. uh, and then I started one-to-one, one-to-another. Um, and in every place, I meet locals or other travelers, some some remote beaches or mountains. I don't meet anybody, but typically I meet someone and I we, we get talking you know and um, then you know the locals they are the inside insider experts they have the inside info about their area so I ended up you know after talking to all these people uh, telling me all these stories uh, from their neighborhoods or regions or whatever I ended up uh, with a list of around 300 places um, uh, you know of, of tips this is before you even went 
Anyone, no, no, no. This right? was. Is... Uh, I had a hundred tips or a hundred places I, I okay. knew about uh, okay. myself. Uh, I got some tips online and so on, but I had a hundred places. Then I started traveling, and then I met all these other people uh, around Norway, and and my list expanded to three hundred places. And I checked out uh, well almost all of them, and I had to narrow it down to to you know less than a hundred because otherwise the book would have been too big, and you know I was on a deadline and and all the rest of it. So <laughs> yeah, I managed to boil it down. The practical side to, of writing a book, right? yeah, exactly as well. <laughs> So, so I managed to, to boil it down to 81 places. And yeah, it was 320 pages there. There were over 400 photo, uh, 450 photos. There are 90,000 words in the book. My, my publisher, it's a small publisher on the West Coast. They, uh, it's called Skald. Uh, they've done an incredible job yeah, putting it together. It's a beautiful book. Yeah. Uh, I, I know I'm biased for saying so, but no, I have not designed yeah. it. <laughs> I'm not just blowing smoke. It's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. book, yeah. So, so um, uh, no, I which means I still have 220 places on my list of really beautiful places and spots. And I've, I've started working on, on, on my next book, a follow-up version of this one, uh, while I'm waiting to travel around the equator to do my original plan. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, it's comes down to talking to locals still yeah no, I mean, it, research. Does. it does and, and of course you know i tell them my plan you know i'm looking for um hidden secrets you know and a lot of people don't want they don't want to share those but when when you know when when we get talking Good point yeah uh, and and they realize what what i'm trying to do and in the end some of them they manage to keep their secret but most of them well actually i'm gonna I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too good not to share yeah. well this is a different i guess for you because you are going to put it into a book so they might be a little more protective yeah no, that's if true. you were just a random person coming through yeah no i, I, I think so yeah, yeah. yeah. so so yeah. it's all about being humble you know smiling talking to them um getting to know them and um uh, and showing some interest in you know and, and regardless whether i travel in somalia or japan or paraguay or in norway it's all about talking to the locals and that's where you get the the, the best information all the insider tips as, as i said before uh, and i think that's really the secret of, of traveling Instead of using Google Maps or TripAdvisor or all of these, you know, looking on New York Times uh, 52 travel tips of the year, the same with The Guardian or some other newspaper. I mean, these places are where everybody will go and they will line up, and which means the place is ruined because um, you can't see it for only tourists. <laughs> and, and everybody's aiming to get the same Instagram shot, you know, of yeah. themselves being yeah. alone in this place. And, and that's not going to happen because there are too many people there. So in the end, you end up photoshopping your own Instagram photo to take away all the other people to get one of those pristine shots that you're aiming for but you can't have so it's, it's a fake reality and I don't understand why everybody wants the same shot instead of finding a much better uh, secret place and, and taking a photo or many photos or videos or whatever of yourself there and then I think you can really brag hey I found somewhere special it's and not you, you just straight up ask people hey what's a, what's some of your favorite hidden gems around around the area yeah well it's, it's all about getting to know people yeah uh, so and then eventually I, I tell them it's not i just don't walk up to them hey i hey, need you. to know all the best places <laughs> then typically they won't answer anyway right so then oh why why do you want that so you need to establish some sort of relation yeah and a chat rapport. With them. Yeah. yeah and and then some of them or most of them will, will will give you tips and some of them you might have heard before others you have not the downside of this is that you have to do a hell of a lot of walking to explore all these places <laughs> right but i love to walk well exactly so but when you have 300 places to walk to you know <laughs> that's right. when you clock up, clock up to <laughs> 30,000 miles in, in nine months. <laughs> All right. Well, I have two follow-up questions. One is, you mentioned, you know, it doesn't matter wh whether you're in Norway or Somalia or whatever, but 
every culture is different, right? And I feel like Norway gets the reputation of being, we'll use the word cold. Now, I think you and I both know that Norwegians aren't cold people. They're friendly people. But I think culturally, and you can correct me if I'm wrong from what I've heard, is that it's just not really in the culture to kind of chat people up on the streets. And we might have talked about this before in the last podcast. You know, as, as much as is like, in America, I can go and buy a pack of gum, and next thing you know, the the person working at the register is telling me their <laughs> life story. Yeah, yeah. You know, that just doesn't really happen here. No. Um, not that that's better or worse. It's just that's the way it is. So, going back to you chatting up the locals, it is different in each country, right? Because the, the, sometimes people are a little more open. Do you agree with that? Do you think, uh, no, it, it's, uh, you know, is there a little bit of a barrier to overcome in Norway? Because well, when certainly. it's not normal for people yeah. to come up to other people on the street and kind of engage them. You yeah, know no, I mean? certainly. Yeah, there's a big barrier. And you use the word cold. I've heard uh, other foreigners. And I mean, you've lived here, so you know what you're talking about. Uh, and you're still living here. And um, most people are using words as arrogant and so on and so forth. I, we spoke about this in the last podcast as well, uh, briefly. But it's not about that in my opinion it's about us being shy we are shy people right. in Norway and especially in, in the countryside in rural parts so it's a sort of oh there's someone we haven't seen before <laughs> uh, he or she might yeah. be dangerous not dangerous but you yeah, know yeah. It's, 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 it's sort of a barrier standoffish for us to, kind of yeah. yeah you know we, ha we have to open up or say hi to somebody somebody we, we don't know who are mm -hmm. so, so one way or I'm from the west coast I grew up there and very very shy so it's all about I've tried to combat this by smiling mm. it's very easy it's totally free uh, saying hi uh, asking asking the time for instance like a stupid question yeah. but you know, just don't show your wristwatch when you ask it you know right. it's just a matter of, of you know getting in touch with them or just saying hi or just smiling is, is typically enough and mm. then you say hey well, how are you like yeah. Americans do you know how how are you <laughs> <laughs> and and you know hey, hey you're gonna you come on here and make fun of Americans yeah. did you <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. but <laughs> it's, it's all about taking that first step and, <laughs> and, and, and by doing so defeating this this shyness yeah. and just showing those hey I'm a friendly person and I'm just and, and most Norwegians as you say are very friendly they mm. want to to meet and talk to other people but they don't want to make the first move mm -hmm, they will yeah. almost never say hello first right. so you as a traveler will have to do that me even me as a norwegian traveler i will typically have to do that myself and say hello or ask about the time or or smile or whatever and, and you know then um you get going quite uh, quite far quite fast and i see my brother he's working for this uh, ngo which is based on the west coast and a lot of people from oslo they travel there and they typically only last a year or two because they think on the west coast people are even more shy than in oslo and and even other norwegians can't really get uh, close to uh, to to west coasters which is yeah. it's awful but, yeah. but that's the reality huh. so it's um no it, it's not easy but you just have to uh, you just have to keep going and you just have to be the friendly one and uh, you know yeah you so have to keep that easy going. going energy like you said free to smile I mean there's certainly something to that just having a yeah sort of a easy friendly demeanor I guess what you said about I, I, I like this as a as a sort of a mindset of thinking yeah not that it's true across the board but if you just think hey uh, people do want to connect Right. If you just like there, there are people out there that want to connect. They're just a little afraid to initiate it. And if you think about that from that mindset, you know, it's maybe not as scary to go up to somebody because maybe they do want to connect. Maybe you're not bothering them. Maybe it's it would actually make their day or it would be a little 
bit of a, a joy or a fun interaction for somebody. You know, again, you can't assume, you know. No, for but, sure. But it's but, a good yeah. reminder, yeah. I feel, to kind of not be afraid to approach people because it's not just like about taking, it's it's an exchange, hmm. right? It is, it is. And, and in Norway, most people, even uh, older people, do speak English. So um, it's it's typically, it's, it's very rarely a language barrier, as long as you speak English or, or Norwegian, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, it's more like that uh, barrier of, of breaking down the, the shyness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I and think as a foreigner, it's, it's interesting what you've done, because I feel like as a foreigner, I've talked about this before on the show, but you get like, you get a bit of a free pass hmm. sometimes when you talk to people because they understand immediately you're not from there. So you're almost allowed to break the cultural norms in, yeah. in some regard yeah. and, and it's, it's okay. And they might open it up even more because they're like, Oh, well, it's not, you know, yeah. but you are, you're traveling as an Norwegian in your home country. So you kind of know, you know what the cultural norms are. And then well, pretty much, <laughs> but, but keep in mind, it's, it's a pretty big, country well especially with all our fjords and mountains and yeah. everything and before roads uh, loads of villages were very isolated and mm. i think that's one of the reasons for the shyness uh, but it also means that we have so many little cultures yeah so, so most people and, and especially norwegians we think of norway and norwegians as one thing one culture that's not true at all you know from parts of oslo frogner the nicest part in many people's minds of, of oslo uh the culture there compared to the culture of a small village up north or on the west coast vastly different it's probably more different than a typical between a typical norwegian and a, a typical person from taiwan you know it's, but, but then we know uh between norway and, and taiwan or norway and and uh, uruguay then we know there there are going to be differences but when there's one norwegian from the north and one from the south we we don't think about the differences even though they are definitely there right <laughs> yeah and if you speak some norwegian you start hearing all the dialect the the dialects ah, yeah. then you know wow okay <laughs> if there's that many dialects and there must be a lot of differences as well in some ways yeah you mentioned the like the new york times 52 thing and some of the other publications is is there a moral dilemma now here being, uh. being the guy <laughs> that now has put these places into a book you know, I know I don't think so. Well, it, I'm I'm competing against um, world famous places here, so I'm yeah, writing okay, a, yeah. a small book in in Norwegian, and and yeah, it sold well um, for, for for a Norwegian book. Uh, that, that's a one thing, and the second thing is, well, if I can get some of the tourists to actually venture into some other places, then we're we're well, we're sharing the uh, we're spreading more people uh, or having them go to more places. So, so I think I'm, it's highly unlikely that any of these 81 places. Will Will be hmm. came run down as, as some of the most famous pulpit rock or <laughs> or somewhere. Yeah, um, that wasn't an attack. I was just curious about no, how, you, how you're thinking about that. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, as a I'm, writer and somebody who's publishing yeah know. no absolutely and i think people I've, I've spoken to here and and even people who have revealed their secret location and so on <laughs> they they like other people you know uh, and and in, in remote areas you know they love having visitors and i don't think they want thousands of visitors they don't want queues yeah but you know and, and i don't think this book will generate queues um but to see more people there 
uh, they're they're very happy about it, and it, it also um, ties in with um, uh, preserving uh, villages and districts and and having people living out there. Yeah, if yeah. nobody goes there, uh, the government or the local government is likely to cut down the ferries or the boat routes and and road maintenance and all the rest of it. So it, it all ties in together, you know, and the big picture with with regards to the economy, with regards to small manufacturers of food or drinks or whatever. They they want to live somewhere where where there are other people, where there are visitors. You know, you don't want to be the hermit on an island and you never see anybody. You <laughs> right. know, the scary hermit. You know, <laughs> so so I think it's all about uh, preserving our our districts mm, yeah. to uh, to keep these um, often remote places um, available and accessible and and, and so on to uh, to tourists, whether they are Norwegian or or foreign. Yeah. Can you share some stories? Well, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I know that, you know, it's always terrible when, when it's just that broad of a question. I'm not really even sure where to start, but I'm sure when when you think about this book, it's like when you reflect on your travels, it's almost like, um, you know, a movie montage of images and smells and people that just <laughs> run through your head, like, yeah. you know, like a, almost like a near death, you know, people they, they say like your life flashes before your eyes or whatever, before you die. <laughs> Isn't travel kind of like that sometimes? Like right, you think that, well, sure hey, look at this book. It's like, <laughs> uh, just like 10,000 experiences just flashed through my eyes. What were some of the things that stuck with you, I guess? Mm. Uh, it, whether it was um, like a human connection or just something that connected you more to a place. Yeah. yeah. Well, we can start, um, well, let's start with um, with a world record uh, holder place, which sounds very famous, but it's not. It's the world world's northernmost um, lodge. Uh, it's in Svalbard, uh, the island group, way up north, almost at the North Pole. Uh, so it's in the world's northernmost, pretty much anything, bank, pub, <laughs> hotel, <laughs> right. you know, runway, <laughs> and so Just on. Just insert yeah, whatever <laughs> insert business whatever you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and, and this is, uh, typically all these places are in, in the only town up there, Longyearbyen, or Longyear town. And it's, um, but outside there, 60 kilometers north of, of Longyearbyen, you have a place, uh, it's called the Nurenshal Lodge. Uh, and it's named after uh, the glacier there, the Nordenschall uh, glacier. And um, you can only get there via snowmobile in the winter or or a chartered um, express boat in uh, in summer, or if you have your own uh, if your own uh, boat. Uh, and there you have this little lodge that was built by by a, a hunter back in the days. Because in Svalbard there are very strict regulations for for who can build, um, let's say, commercial buildings. Um, and he was he was a hunter, but he was also he also had uh, dog sledges, and he took tourists on dog sledging trips, uh, and he wanted to to give them a nice uh, lodge up yeah, north. Right. So only there was a little window of only one or two years in the early two thousands when anybody was allowed to build commercial lodges outside Longyearbyen, and and he used that window, put up a really cozy lodge, um, and and unfortunately, and you know he did some uh, he had quite a few tourists there visiting him and his, his wife. Uh, she was also into dog sledging. Um, unfortunately, he had some back problems, so he could no longer do dog sledging. So they sold this to a, um, a Norwegian company. It's called Basecamp Explorer. Uh, and they have refurbished the place. They've had uh, you know, had an interior designer, one of the most famous in Norway, to really make this a, a special, almost religious place because you know there are no one else there. Uh, and it's next to a glacier. And from the windows of this lodge, you, you, you see the glacier and all the colors of this glacier. Uh, when you go outside, when you venture outside, you need to have your guide with you 
because there are loads of polar bears here and they can be lethal and they will be lethal if they see you so you always have the guide with a gun um wherever you go um he or she will will follow you um so you're not allowed to leave the lodge without uh, your your um uh, gun yeah. your gun for hire yeah right <laughs> and then you have um and they serve they there there are some hosts here so when you co come up everything is there there's um there's wood um burning inside you uh, they prepare incredible meals like four or five dishes uh, high class uh, gourmet meals you have loads of uh, uh, of delicious drinks you know wine uh, beer uh, liquor and of course uh, there's no electricity here there's no um, no water and so what they do is they take um, ice uh, rocks of ice or, or pieces of ice from the glacier well, they fall off the glacier and they drift out the fjord and they go down and pick them up or they have to um, they have to well you know sometimes they just go down to the fjord during winter when, when there's ice over the fjord um, on the fjord and they pick up these, these rocks and they take them up and they melt them and, and this, uh, the glacier, it's 3,000 years old. So you're drinking probably the freshest water you can get hold of. It's so nice. And if you want to have a whiskey, then you chop it into smaller rocks uh, and uh, and the best whiskey you can imagine, you know, mm. with 3,000-year-old ice cubes in it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There, there, there are so many. And you can go you can go hiking on the glacier with, with a guide because it's quite easy and quite steep. And uh, uh, you should know what you're doing. You can go kayaking here. You can uh, you can go well hiking uh, here, here and there. You go boating. I, it's just a relief to be there. It just it's totally quiet. The air is very very fresh. Uh, and being there, it's uh, yeah as I said earlier, almost religious. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and it's That's the world's northernmost uh, right. commercial lodge. I right. mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna sleep further north, you have to cross the North Pole, you know, and sleep yeah. in a tent. Right. But then you won't get a gourmet meal up there. <laughs> I think. Yeah. I, I, What's it like running a lodge like that, living up there, you know, for that couple? It's... Yeah, no, it, it it must have been really, really hard. And and we see now after base camping explorers have taken over, it's it's a big operation. So it's not the cheapest place to, place to stay. Almost no Norwegians know about this. Uh, very few foreigners do as well. But um, apparently two thirds or even eighty percent of all visitors up there to this lodge have been foreigners really? because Norwegians don't okay. know about it. Wow. So it's it, it, it was just a coincidence. And even people in Longyearbyen up in Svalbard, Norwegians up there, they don't know about it. So uh, there was one person there that tipped me about the place um, and I asked loads of other people and said, what, where is this? No, we've never heard about it. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of one of the That's secret cool. locations up there. That's that cool, man. How satisfying when you end up at a place like that too, when you just hear about something and then you go and yeah. you end up there and you're just like, wow, this is, this was worth the effort. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, these people weren't just, um, I don't know, I have, I have kind of a rule. Usually if I hear something from three different people, that means I should probably go. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's a good rule. I like yeah, that rule. Yeah, kind of. It works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, depending on how much time you have on, on the road. That's awesome. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This 
device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks, so they also make an exceptional gift. Thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever zero to travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Yeah. Do you want to share another one? That was an accommodation. So I guess an experience as well. I mean, it all ties in. Is there anything? Uh... Yeah. And that's a little bit, uh, I don't know, almost a contradiction here because almost every place I write about, so there are loads of experience to be had. I still wanted to to have experiences as a known category, uh, also for possible future books. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, you but, will... but I understand like that, that lodge is a destination in and of itself. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but certainly, yeah, I can talk about, um, well, within, if we jump to the next category, uh, food and drink um, we can go to Vos which is uh, sort of on the west coast you're going to be drinking 3,000 year old water well yeah, yeah. yeah well that's true yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean yeah so that could tie in there for food and drinks as well but we're going to go over to, to a hotel it's called, called Park Hotel uh, Vos Savangan yeah. Vos is of, an outdoor type of town oh, it right? is, yeah, Very... it's the extreme sports yeah. capital of Norway Yeah, yeah but it's, yeah. it's a small town I think 6,000 people live there on the rail from here from to Bergen between right? Bergen and Oslo yeah, yeah. so you, you can easily get there uh, by road or by train uh, so have you been yeah, it just through. Yeah, yeah, you know, but it was a we we stopped for a couple hours, I think, on a road trip. But it was one of those places I've always been intrigued about because yeah. I was living in Boulder, Colorado before I came here, and I'm like, where's the sort of the Boulder outdoorsy town yeah. for <laughs> like the small town, but not too big, but you know, there's a lot going on, and Voss kept coming up as a I, yeah and, and for good reasons place. it's uh, it's a great place for various kinds of, of, of foods uh, but also for drinks and here at the park hotel it's not part of the hotel chain park hotel it's it's an individual hotel uh, they have the biggest wine cellar in the nordics with forty three thousand bottles which means like it's like more than six bottles per inhabitant of the of the <laughs> of the village or the town <laughs> which is unreal you know yeah, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't expect to find such a place there in the wine cellar is so big that it goes under the hotel but also goes under the pavement outside that's how, how big it is um and um I, it's unreal the guy who um uh, who founded it he um his name is uh, jan Kurus andersen and he um, he knew he wanted to get into 
wine and and um, hotel business and so on when he was 18, 19. But of course, he didn't have any money. So he here in Norway, we have what we call the wine monopoly. So that's the only place you can buy wine, um, and which means you get a really good selection of wine because they're buying so much wine from all over the world. Um, and then he faked a letter saying he was working for the uh, wine monopoly, <laughs> sent that to some of the best vineyards in the world. Yeah. And of course, suddenly he was very welcome to come there. Uh, 18, 19 <laughs> year old. Uh, and they invited him in and they gave him the best wine they had. And um, of course, they were expecting him to buy. Yeah. But I mean, he didn't. He didn't represent the wine monopoly. So, so then he funny. then he went away afterwards, and or, <laughs> they never heard from him. Well, they did actually, because then he made a lot of money, yeah. and he started investing it into wine. And then he went back to the these uh, places. He was and, like, uh, "Sorry about that." Yeah, thing well, you before. know, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he ended up, uh, you know, investing in this yeah. this cellar, wine cellar. Um, and at the, at the the peak, there were seventy five thousand wine bottles in the cellar. And the current uh, sommelier, he's Italian. His name is Francesco. He, he told me that it was so full you couldn't walk there. You had to climb over cases of wine. That's how full it was. So when Francesco took over, he he had to sell loads like thirty thousand bottles just to to and, and start to systemize everything. And it's uh, for for um, uh, wine connoisseurs, you know, it, this is really the place to go. Um, and um, uh, yeah, there's another, you know, uh, there is another story um, about. Um, wine um, again the the original owner he had been um, in in France to, to one of the vineyards and a few weeks later Francesco is, is contacted by by the reception and says, oh there is a big uh, big trailer a big uh, truck full of wine here and he said, well, I haven't ordered a truck full of wine. And then he asked the original owner, oh, really? No, I haven't ordered anything. So, so which vineyard is it from? And they say the name of the vineyard. Is, ah, the, the original owner says, shit, well, come to think of it, I, I was hammered there two months ago. <laughs> so, you know, being totally hammered, he, he ended up buying a full truckload of, of wine, not remembering it himself. <laughs> so, you know, and, and uh, they managed to, well, they kept some of the wine and they sold some of it and, and yeah. some of it had been drunk by, by their guests and yeah. so on. So they managed to sort it out, but, you know, yeah. very fond of wine. Uh, the That's people, funny. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I guess that can work pretty well as a sales tactic, just get everybody totally loaded oh, until absolutely. they order a bunch yeah. of <laughs> never check with them again no, no, the no. next morning be like are you sure you wanted this truck full of wine no yeah. no that would be the wrong thing to do just yeah. send the truck two uh, months later absolutely yeah <laughs> uh, I'll do the same thing you know if I was a businessman you know <laughs> yeah that was brilliant yeah, yeah that's funny um, yeah it sounds like there's a bit of a mix too of um, I guess budgets mm. I would say is that the case? Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. And I can I can tell you about one other accommodation place I'm writing about, and this is the the most expensive accommodation in Norway. You have to pay uh, several hundred thousand to to stay there, uh, Norwegian kroner. So you know, I, I don't know uh, in, in US dollars, but several. Um, we're talking five figures uh, to stay per, there per and, night. Uh, yeah, just, well, yeah. the minimum stay is three nights. Okay, so, yeah, okay, uh, so yeah. for um, yeah. For three nights, you, you pay uh, yeah quite a lot of money, yeah, <laughs> let's say. Right. And it's called Wolf Lodge. And the thing is that you have a luxurious uh, villa um, surrounded by wolves. 
Um, so if you if you stay there, you come into this incredibly nice house uh, with uh, very fresh flower, flower well, fresh flowers all over the building. You have um, lit candles all over the place. You have your own chef. You have your own butler, twenty four seven. You have two uh, wolf watchers or um, uh, wolf handlers, I should say, your own driver. Um, and you stay in here. And outside the windows of the lodge, the wolves that's where they live. And if you're up for it, if you dare, then the wolf watches they will take you out and you can meet the wolves um, the thing is with wolves they have very good sense of smell so when they when they see you they want to get to know you and to get to know you they need to smell you or taste you even so they put their very very long tongues wolf tongues down your throat so it's like snogging somebody uh, and i was there and i was at the five wolves uh, which were there when i visited four of them came down, you know, two male and two female wolves. Yeah. And, I, you know, I had to snog them. And, and you have these beasts, I don't know, 60, 70 kilos standing over you. And you know that, you know, if, you know one yeah, moment right. of insanity from their side yeah. and half your face will be gone. Yeah, sure. But, um, and, and it was fine. It was, it was scary and it was, uh, it, 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 no, it was surreal and it was exciting at the same time. Uh, and they told me, uh, and I was fine, you know, I had a photographer with me, took some, incredible photos from up there and, and then they told me um, these wolves they, they they smell so well and the, the wolf watchers the wolf handlers they they can totally read the wolves so several times when they've had um, uh, young uh, women here the wolves immediately sense if, if she's pregnant and on several occasions the wolves know the lady's pregnant before she knows it herself um, and once they uh, they asked her say, oh congr congratulations with your baby and said what uh, she didn't know about it and her mother was there as well and she sure as hell didn't know about it so she what are you pregnant who the hell is the father <laughs> so, so, so from that episode they've said no uh, they don't discuss it of course they will know it wow. all the, the wolf families will know it uh, that that a lady is pregnant but they don't discuss it anymore because they know the lady might not know it uh, them, uh, herself wow <laughs> That so sounds like um, it could be the uh, most expensive pregnancy test in well, Norway. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people who come there are very, very few Norwegians because of the costs. Uh, so most of the guests have been uh, filthy rich Americans, Hollywood stars and so on. Um, they don't want to tell me who's been there. I've heard some names from other people. Uh, but we're talking uh, you know, world celebrities that have come there to, to uh, take part in this very surreal, yeah. very unique experience mm. at, at the Wolf mm. Lodge. So, yeah. so and, and and as you said, yes. So this is the extreme, the most expensive place. But I'm also talking about uh, very cheap places. You know, uh, mountain lodges, mountain cabins, unmanned sometimes yeah. uh, that cost almost nothing. Or so, a mountain that's free to walk up. Well, right? absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scenic places and so <laughs> yeah. on. So it's, it's not about showing off or or, or saying, "Oh, I stayed in this really fancy place." It's about showing that we actually have these places in Norway as well. Most people don't know about it, and I think it's really good because we have this uh, pristine. And, uh, scenery, pristine nature, and I think that uh, well, why not? You know, let let us provide this. Let's take the opportunity, or let let's uh, give businesses the opportunity to invite this segment of uh, of visitors. Um, and of course, we should we need to cater to to every segment and every um, every budget. Uh, but here we are. We're it, it's brilliant marketing for the people uh, or businesses providing food to these places and and wine and uh, and beer and and so on. Um, 
and it generates um, work, uh, you know, for for lots of local people, and uh, no, and, and it shows some of these um, sometimes wealthy or, or famous people from from elsewhere. It, it shows parts of, of Norway, shows um, our way of living, how important uh, the scenery is to us, and how how important fresh air is, and so on. So, so I like to think that they will actually take something back from the Norwegian way of life. Yeah, very cool. You know, if, if anybody at Wolf Lodge is listening and they need a travel podcaster to come <laughs> up and <laughs> you know, record the sounds of a making out with a wolf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they were howling, you know, they, they yeah. were really howling okay. at, at, yeah. at several points, you know, not, not waking us up or anything. No. But, uh, so, no. and the wolf, uh, the guy so behind So when are it, you due? <laughs> Well, you just, you uh, just no, when are you do? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, uh, know. brilliant. No, I definitely recommend it. But yeah, it's it's probably out of the budget to uh, well, to most. Well, it is out of the budget to most people. Um, definitely, uh, still something I will never forget having yeah, taken part in. Remarkable. Um, I feel like Norway is very good at keeping things local. Do you agree with that? In, in terms of food and. I mean, maybe it's my experience Utpurlanda, out in the countryside with my in-laws. A lot of local stuff going on. You know, if we have like moose for dinner or something, it's it's been killed locally by hunters and sold locally. You know, we get the the goldberry. What do you call again? The ah, um, uh, the uh, the cloudberries. Yeah, the malta, cloudberries. Yeah. yeah, malta. That's all coming from you know some guy at a neighbor farm. And I, you know, okay, that's one area. But I feel like is. That that's the case in a lot of places in Norway. Yeah, it is, you and think? I think it's, it's, it's I think it's brilliant because yeah. it's uh, it's uh, it does not have a big impact on on the climate. You know, small small farms and so on. Uh, we generate uh, uh, jobs, uh, or this generates jobs around the country, and you get first class uh, food. You know, there's no antibiotics used here. I mean, it's game usually. It's moose or it's deer or you know, it's it's uh, it's sheep walking out on the fields. Uh, just eating grass or whatever so it's uh, it's good for the environment it's it's first class meat uh, or berries or or you know vegetables or whatever um they they pick um uh, so no I, I think it's really really good and you find these places all over the country uh, but as we were talking about earlier you know if um if we don't um stimulate these places by using it you know you buying from them they will disappear and people will leave these villages or these farms because you know there's no income anymore there are no neighbors anymore uh, there are there are no um, bus routes or there are no uh, boat routes to, to, get, to get there. And as a consequence, there won't be any tourists coming there either. So I think it's very important uh, in, for many reasons to, to keep these small-scale um, small producers uh, alive. And many of them, they do this as, uh, on the, on, as a side job. You know, that they might have a farm or they might be a plumber uh, during the daytime, but in the evening they, they make cheese or, right. uh, and so on. So it, 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 uh, and it, it, it provides so much exciting uh, food. Yeah. Um, so to do a food tour, Around Norway, I mean, you could you could travel around for years yeah, in order to, to yeah. try all of these small scale producers out there. Yeah, and they're all over the all over the country. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. What are you most proud of when it comes to this book? That you put together. Oh well, I'm as I said, uh, I'm I'm very happy with uh, with the design, uh, which is done by the publisher, not me. Um, I'm quite chuffed with having travelled. Uh, I haven't been 
all over the place, but I've been pretty much all over Norway, or most uh, over around Norway. Of course, there are many roads I haven't been, there are villages I haven't been to, and so on. Uh, but I, I tried, uh, I tried to cover as much of Norway as I could. I mean, there are 81 places there, so it's it's, uh, it's covered from uh, well as far as you can go to the south, to the north, to the east, and, and to the west, pretty much, and as, as many places as possible in between. So I, I think I've managed to to provide a, a pretty good cross-representation yeah, of, of the country. I, I would say so. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so why should people come to Norway? Yeah. Give us your pitch, man. <laughs> I guess you already have, but... Yeah. Well, Norway is uh, <laughs> it, it's a pristine place. We have... Um, uh, nature is very important to us. I mean, yeah. yes, we're shy or come across as cold, which means that visitors will have to, uh, will have to you know, lend they a hand. They just have to understand, yeah, it's, it's not cold, it's shyness. It's, it, it's yeah. shy. So, so as, a, as a visitor, you have maybe to be a little bit more, uh, let's say, leaning forward and, and, and smiling a little bit more than mm. usual or saying <laughs> hi uh, before the Norwegians do. Yeah. Um, but now we, we have so much here in terms of, uh, of scenery all around Norway, especially on the West Coast. Uh, and the northern parts, but also the middle, the south, uh, and and the east uh, inland, uh, where I know you've you've been quite a few times. Um, so so the the variety of different kinds of scenery. You have the highlands, you have the lowlands, you have the fjords, you have the islands. There there is so much there, and the fresh air is uh, second to none. Um, so I think a lot about a lot a lot is about the scenery, but also the small time small um, producers, and we see a lot. Lots of world-class um, restaurants uh, all all over Norway, actually, and uh, more and more, more and more of them get uh, Michelin stars. Some of them don't want it, or they are too remote, so that's not their goal. Uh, but the quality is as uh, as it were um, a Michelin star restaurant. So you can travel all over, and also in Oslo, the capital, not the most exciting place in terms of scenery, uh, but in terms of culture, you know, museums, galleries, and, and food. Uh, nightlife Oslo is also definitely a place to to visit. Yeah, but but a lot of people I, I talk to they when I when I'm traveling abroad and I say oh, where are you from? So Norway. So oh, this is the most beautiful country in the world. They say. So, oh really? So where have you been? Oh Oslo. Is that, come on. Okay, if you think that's the most beautiful place, then you're really gonna love the rest of it. Right. So I think if you come to Norway, don't only go to Oslo. Definitely go to Oslo by all means, but uh, for sure um, venture out into to rural areas. Yeah, I know Norway's home to you. It's your home country, your Norwegian. But have you ever considered living in another country? Ah, well, I, I've lived in five other countries, including the U.S., Indiana, and Washington D.C. But I mean, more permanently. Ah, uh, permanently. Well, I don't know. Is this, I, this is where I'm from, and I have my family, and I, yeah, I love okay, Norway. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I could live anywhere for for a year or two or three, yeah. but to permanently move somewhere else, this I, is home. Th- this is home. Yeah. Maybe more so now that you've met people, even well, more people from that, all over the yeah, country. That's, that, that's connects true. you. It does, More, yeah. right? And you get friends all over. Uh, so it, definitely. But I mean, I would not mind. I, I, I love traveling abroad as well, uh, as, as you know. So so to live elsewhere for for several years, I, I would not mind at all. I, I would love that. Uh, but permanently, I think Norway will be my... It will be my home yeah. forever. Good. I'm glad for that because I live here too. So yeah, exactly. Hang out and do yeah. cool things. Uh, <laughs> and it's always a pleasure to see you. You always get me excited about travel again because <laughs> your curiosity and you're such a great storyteller and uh, the details you remember. And I feel like, you know, in the, in this internet age when everything's sort of clicky and fast and you can just 
go deep and tell some stories about a place and uh, people there and how a lodge came to be and out in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. And uh, it just brings the world to life. And that to me is what travel is all about. It's what it does, right? It connects you and brings everything really to life on a, on a real level. Yeah, you know, I don't really know else how else to describe it, but oh, let's use the um, old uh, Nokia slogan: connecting people. You know, that's what travel is people, about. Yeah. It's not bloody phones. <laughs> Nokia nailed yeah. it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So, um, thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was a absolute pleasure. And yeah, we're overdue. I think we're uh, now that we're out of this pandemic situation gonna have you and your lady up for some barbecue i'm gonna try to do my best american burgers for you guys oh that sounds See fabulous what we can do <laughs> for that it's been ages since i had a proper american burger i tell you <laughs> there we go uh is travel back is it can we say that well we, uh, domestically we? it's certainly back um mm. when it comes to international travel it's it's slowly coming back so I think uh, this autumn, autumn of 21, we will see a lot more. Unfortunately, not so much outside the Western world due to the lack of vaccine doses in uh, large parts of Africa, Southeast Asia, South America, and so on. But it's, it's slowly getting back. Yeah. I know you have a Norwegian language podcast as well. Well, not language learning. It's about travel. Yeah. But <laughs> if you want to share that in case anybody listening. Well, if you know. want to learn Norwegian or you actually know it, it's called Globus Roulette. Globus yeah. Roulette. Yeah. Um, and I do that with a travel journalist, uh, Torkil Gundersen and myself. And we venture to every country of the world, all 198 of it. I think we have 81 episodes so far. So uh, yeah, give it a listen. Uh, but if you don't understand Norwegian, it, it's not very exciting. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, maybe I can make it a goal to, if I can just start listening more to your podcast and I can improve my language skills, you know? So maybe next, can, next podcast, we have to do Norwegian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah maybe we have to do that. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if you need somebody to talk about the USA, you know, maybe you can come on and talk oh, a little bit true. about it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, then I have to get real good. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. cool. Well, um, thanks for your time and look forward to hopefully hanging out this summer. For sure. All right. Take All care. Right. <laughs> Have it, my friends. Felt like you were sitting there in the booth with us. Man, it was awesome to meet up with Gunnar in person and talk travel with him. If you enjoyed this interview, you should listen to the last one we did about his journeys to every country in the world twice. Yes, twice. I know it's insane. If you missed that one, go ahead and give that a listen in the archives. Now, a few takeaways I wanted to highlight from this interview getting off the beaten track, of course. Always a great feeling when you're traveling, right? And, and it's subjective, right? You, you can't just say there's no sign that lights up. You're walking down the street and all of a sudden you look up and in place of traffic lights, it says, you're now off the beaten track. It doesn't work that way. It's just a feeling. And I really believe you can be off the beaten track almost anywhere with the right mentality if you're with certain people, even if you're in a popular place, say you're sitting around the Colosseum in Rome, obviously a place many people visit, rightfully so. It's incredible. But there are, I'm sure, little areas in and around that part of town where you can go to a cafe that's just filled with locals or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily, to me, mean that you have to be you know, miles away or kilometers, if you're listening uh, and you're on the metric system, away from like the hotspots, right? 
It doesn't necessarily mean that. But a few takeaways that I found uh, from this interview that also I've found to be true in my own travel life. Uh, I'll just share three things. First of all, getting lost. Getting lost is always a good uh, way to set yourself up for getting off the beaten track. You just wander. (laughs) It's easier than ever now to wander with smartphones. It didn't used to be so easy. One time I wandered so far, uh, I was in Prague and I had no idea where I was in the middle of the night. I guess the transit system, the the trains, the one that I took in, they changed numbers and different routes and things, at least at the time. Could not get home. Got on this train, ended up in the middle of the countryside. (laughs) I ended up wandering around the city back in the countryside in this train trying to find these other things getting totally separated from my group i think i eventually got back to the place i was staying at 10 in the morning (laughs) it was insane that's the way it was now you could just bust out your smartphone and order up an uber or whatever and get back to where you need to be or pull up your google maps but if you don't use maps or you just kind of start wandering around Oftentimes, I feel like that can lead to good things. So getting lost is key. Also, Goodar mentioned this during our chat, just going a little further. Just keep going a little bit further down the road. And that can mean distance-wise. It could mean effort. I remember being in Hoi An in Vietnam, and we rode our bikes. My wife and I rode our bikes out to a beach, and it was super crowded. And I said, why don't we just keep pedaling? Let's just keep going. And we just rode for another 10 or 15 minutes got to a beach where there were three people on it. That was it. It was the perfect example of getting off the beaten track by going just a little bit further, which is fun too. You don't know what's around the next corner. You guys know that feeling. You always want to see what's around the next corner, right? And just going a little further can lead to some cool things as well. Last thing, asking locals. And this was also talked about in the interview. You never know what's going to happen when you start asking the locals you might even get invited to some places definitely happened to me i've had meals in people's houses in brazil in vietnam in chile and other places in the world and it's a magical feeling when a local invites you in takes you under their wing and next thing you know i mean this happened the first week i was in argentina ended up falling in with an expat there, knew a local, and we ended up staying at his house. And I was just in a whole part of town that I never would have gotten to be in, you know? It's, uh, none of that happens if you don't talk to the locals and just open up, put a little trust out there, a little good energy, some good vibes. And those locals, man, they know how to get you off the beaten track, whether it's just through recommendations or taking you under their wing and showing you around because they're proud of their hometown that's a cool satisfying thing i don't know about you when somebody comes to visit and you can show them some cool things that you know they're going to like i love that and as a traveler it's great to give back when you're based somewhere to maybe other travelers or other people so don't be afraid to talk to the locals as you all know but these are just three things i wanted to pull out from this chat which i very much enjoyed and I also want to finish by inviting you to get in touch if you haven't done so yet. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. And you can also leave me a voice message. I leave a link in every set of show notes where you can just click the link and leave me a 90-second or less voicemail. It's super easy to do. 
I'm telling you, it's really easy. You just click a button. You don't have to sign up for anything or anything. You just click a button, and there you go. You can talk, and I'll hear it, and I can send you a voice message back. Super simple. So anyway, my point is get in touch. Say hi. I love to make this a two-way conversation. This is a community, after all. A community-powered show. I make this show for you, my friend. I'm pulling into the quote drawer now. I'm getting into it. Here we go. Let's see. Oh, let me find a, a good one here. Okay. This one is from Shunrin Suzuki, who said, Nothing can save you now because you have only this moment. Not even enlightenment will help you now because there are no other moments. Whoa. He's doing that. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Peace and love. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.